0: Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Academia podcast. I'm Sean O'Laughlin. I'm Justin Grant.
1: And I'm Maddie Cassidy.
0: And today we're taking you up to Freeport, Maine. Freeport
1: in Justin's backyard.
0: Kind of like an hour from Justin's backyard. <laughs> we went we saw my backyard after. Yeah, Justin gave us the full tour of his, his uh, hometown. But we went up to Freeport, Maine to visit with good friend of GAA, Barton Seaver, who is a chef, author, and seafood evangelist.
1: And also a member of GAA. And That's
0: he great. is a member of GAA. And, you know, you've probably heard his name out there. He's got a bunch of books out. Um, I apologize. I thought it was like his second or third book, but it was actually his eighth book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's. <laughs> nice job. His, his, I know. Which was released
2: the day we did this podcast.
0: Yes. Yeah. His eighth book. Yeah. And so we'll have links to that in the show notes and we talk a little bit about it. But we were able to sit down with Barton and talk about approaching the topic of seafood and specifically aquaculture to people who are not comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. How do we get the word out? What, what are some tactics to talk about? to people about seafood and with this being seafood month it was a great way to kind of start a conversation about starting a conversation and I think it was pretty good good stuff I think you guys will enjoy it
1: yeah I think it's good because we talked a little bit about valuable information for directly to consumers and then also to people like within the seafood industry and like how the conversation can go from industry to consumers but also from industry to industry
2: yeah and he has something else that he there (laughs) it is
1: Justin,
0: that thing cost me like a uh, three Wasn't cents. That free?
1: <laughs> that
0: I think is... it was free. I think you just pay shipping. <sighs> Justin burst one of our little stress toys that we have in no, the studio don't here. No, do play with it. Put it down. Put it down, please. <laughs> yes, mom. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's pretty gross. <laughs> uh, but anyways, as I was saying, Barton also is doing something else that we're not going to spoil here in this intro. Uh, but he'll get into another venture that he's he's doing online that will be another educational piece that will be exciting. That's right. That's exciting.
0: And I'll give you a spoiler, spoiler alert. Uh, it costs money, but we give you a discount. Mm-hmm. So wait till the end. And at the end of the show, we will give you a coupon code so you can save some money, but still get the benefits of, of his program that he's talking about. So you find out about that later. But remember, if you want to talk to us, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org or on Twitter at aquademiapod.org. Feel
2: free to call. Leave us a voicemail at one
3: All right, let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast.
3: Our diet...
0: sitting down right now with Barton Seaver. I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Um, Who are you? What do you do?
3: I I am a chef. I am an author. I am a seafood evangelist. All things seafood all the time. All
0: things seafood. People have probably heard of Barton. You've been on podcasts before, right? I think you were.
3: I have. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: So if people uh, are in the seafood podcast community, they may have heard his voice before. And actually your voice is in the intro to our show every episode. Oh wow. We have a we have a clip from Gold oh, of you true. speaking yeah, So I forgot about so that. If, so if, if his voice sounds familiar, that's where it's from.
3: Oh, it's not just cuz I sound like Tom Hanks, but <laughs>
0: You know what? I didn't never noticed that until just now. Wow. Yeah. You do. You get that a lot? No. No. <laughs> you just noticed that. So we're sitting down with Tom Hanks today to talk yeah, about actually, Yeah, actually yeah, we're going to record <laughs> <that's> two, two <laughs> podcasts today. One, one with Tom Hanks, one with Barton <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So today is actually a special day for you because your third book Second book? Which What number is this? Eight. Eight? Eight, yes. <laughs> Eight? Yes,
3: I have, a, I have an issue. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, so, your eighth book came out today. Yes. Can you tell us I, a little bit about that book before we get kind of get into the meat of this?
3: Ah, well, thanks for that, uh, the opportunity. So yes, um, October 1st, the beginning of National Seafood Month here in America. Uh, it was a great time to publish uh, The Joy of Seafood. So it is uh, eighth book. Uh, this one is a Very practical, straightforward guide to just getting more seafood on your table more often. And uh, it is a follow-up to my previous book called American Seafood, which is sort of a culinary and anthropological sketch of every single species landed in the United States. Uh, And I wrote that in effort to create a concise narrative about heritage, history, the value of seafood industry in America, but also the value of seafood as a culinary category. In American cuisine, and so I consider that, uh, and that's a, a work of history. And so I consider that the owner's manual for seafood, and uh, this next one, the Joy of Seafood, published today, uh, is the follow-up to that. And this is the user's guide. This is right. uh, <laughs> this is how to put it on your table, uh, and sort of reverses the order of operation of typical seafood cookbooks, which is, hey, let me get inspired by a recipe, and then go to the store and demand that they have snapper, and then you've subjugated the success of your recipe to the quality of the snapper. Uh, And you've also subjugated the entire seafood industry to your acute demand. Rather, 90% of good seafood cookery is simply buying great quality seafood. So it's go to the store, buy what's freshest, best, fits your budget, you know, fits your, fits your, you know, what you're interested in, and then come home and and any one of nearly a thousand recipes can be made largely from a reasonably stocked pantry. Just straightforward eat more seafood so where can
2: people f- f- find this book
3: uh available booksellers
0: everywhere and online thank
2: you excellent asking. so we will uh we'll put some links into it into the show notes so some of our listeners can uh, if they're interested in purchasing the book they'll know where to find it
0: cool. yeah Thanks. this so- sounds like you know we have, we've been re- had some listeners reach out to us saying oh i'm trying to my doctor said I need to eat more seafood, so you know I stumbled on your podcast because I'm trying to do some research and I don't know what to do. So this is actually a great yeah. book for someone like that who wants to incorporate mm-hmm. more seafood. So, in fact,
3: uh, the dedication of the book is to all cooks that ever said I would like to eat more seafood, but I don't know how to cook it.
2: I need that. Mm, book. So. That's <laughs> I'm sure perfect. that is said often a lot of times, <laughs>
0: and I think American American seafood is. Definitely still sitting on my coffee table right now, and probably you guys. I think we all have copies of it. My daughter loves to flip through it. Still, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I I do have that book, and I've read. I've read a. a, I haven't read the whole thing because that's a big. That's a big book, Barton. (laughs) 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 But but I have read through it. It's 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 really cool. It's super comprehensive and learned some really cool history. So uh, I recommend that book too. I think we can link. We can just put a link to. Do you have like a? One area where that you can buy all of them, or like,
3: yeah, there's some there's some online retailers you might have heard of that, uh, you yeah, could, you probably, could, <laughs> you, could, you could find it at. Uh, so
0: yeah, we'll link to all the, all of Barton's books. But what what we wanted to talk about with Barton today is something that he is very passionate about that you do every day, and that is getting the word out about seafood and and just educating the public and everyone, and you know something that we try to do on this show, obviously, because if you listen, you know what we. What we do is we want to get real good information out to people who just need to know more about seafood or want to know more about seafood. You know there's we talk about the vacuum, the seafood industry is inside this vacuum where all the good stuff that's happening gets celebrated and, and gets talked about with each other, but no one outside of the that little bubble, has any idea that all of these new technologies and, and all this good stuff is happening. And so we want to help break out of that vacuum and Barton is doing that daily. And uh, so we wanted to have you on the show to talk about that and why and how we can do more of it. So I mean what's your approach? Because I think a lot of people have tried, have tried to do this kind of thing in a lot of different industries. But what's, what's your approach been to kind of breaking out of that vacuum? I,
3: I, meeting people where they are. Yeah. You know, in this day and age with such fractured constituencies in terms of just disparate and disaggregated audiences, we're no longer turning into the four networks every night between 630 and 1030. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, on TV, it's uh, everybody's getting their information from a whole lot of different sources that have a whole lot of different influences coming into them. So to me, it's not about trying to build an audience so much as it's meet different audiences where they are and that carries through to the actual strategy it's not just meeting people where they are but talk about the things they already care about don't try and tell them they should care about seafood ask them what they already care about and then listen and then use their own words to repeat back to them how seafood is a means to help them accomplish that whether that's health whether that's simply just hey i I want dinner to be more interesting. I want some diversity. Well, seafood's pretty diverse, whether it's, I'm looking to connect, you know, I go to farmer's markets every weekend, you know, how do I do that through seafood is there. There's so many different ways to meet people and whether it's, you know, around aquaculture and just technology. Mm. I mean, that's cool. People are interested in in new and shiny and and gadgets. And so there's so many different ways to not approach seafood, but use seafood to reflect other momentums in- sort of civic conversation
0: so what have you seen has been kind of the most successful for your mission so your mission is to really push sustainable seafood and just that it's easy and it's approachable and it's not scary and what have you seen success with like how many i don't really know how to ask this question you talked about taking different angles and meeting people where they are where are they that they are the most receptive hmm. you know kind of what i'm asking. Yeah. You? Um. Not quite sure how to. Yeah. Well, there's,
3: there's a number of different constituencies that, you know, some people are coming to this, you know, if you've just gotten out of the hospital because you had a heart attack and your life has just changed and you've been given the prescriptive directive to include more seafood in your diet, you're receptive. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's a low hanging fruit. (laughs) You know, uh,
3: okay, here we go. Great um, here's a can of sardines. Yeah. Let's start here. (laughs) Um, Let me help you. Yes. While we're talking about other things, eat this can of sardines. (laughs) Uh, so pregnant and nursing mothers, I mean, talk about a community that, I mean, my wife and I just had a child, uh, we got a three-year-old and, and watching her and supporting her through the process of, of getting pregnant, being pregnant, birth, you know, raising a toddler, figuring out (laughs) a, just the magic that is motherhood but also the utter chaos and you know confusion that is motherhood and seafood it's so important for pregnant (laughs) nursing mothers but it's also oh my god it's gonna kill you and your baby you know because mercury and it's right oh yeah Yeah. but talk about a constituency that is connected and communicating i mean wow Mm. just talk about just the tentacles of that conversation are so effective because people are looking for so much information and they're, they're receptive because they've never done it before. Mm. And because mm. it is so elementally, fundamentally important. So that to me is a huge opportunity, but also probably one of the most important sort of moral trajectories for us as a seafood industry to increase consumption in that demographic because of the positive impact is so incredibly important. So, I mean, that's the health angle coming to it from two different you know, sides, from, from pediatrics to geriatrics, but uh, heritage and everybody loves heirloom tomatoes. There's not a single person I've ever talked to that would raise their hand and say, yes, I would like to go back to a world where iceberg is the only lettuce available, (laughs) and that tomatoes are hard, pink, cylindrical, and available 12 months of the year. No one's going to raise their hand and say, no, I don't actually want that juicy, purple, soft as anything, August, summer ripe. Brandy wine tomato juice running all the way down to my elbow, aromatic. Like I can smell it in the other. Whoa! Yeah. Like no, no, and give me that pink cylindrical thing. You know, like no, no way. So th- there's also this, you know, entire community of quote unquote foodies mm-hmm. who are just looking for discovery and interest. And you know, seafood certainly offers that. And if we approach it through the excitement of discovery rather than the trepidation of trying something
0: new, right, right, you know.
3: Don't back people into a corner, lead them. So those are two very receptive audiences also because those conversations are very straightforward. Yeah. Seafood, here's how it's good for you. Here's how it'll help you accomplish this goal.
0: So what about the fear then? What about the people who are afraid to try it because they think they'll get sick or they're afraid that they won't like it because they've never tried it? I mean, that's obviously something with every type of food is, but I feel like there's more of a fear surrounding seafood than there is almost any other type of food. Maybe insects. (laughs) So, um, Let's not talk about what shrimp actually are. Insects. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the bugs of the sea, but um, I'm, I was thinking the tarantula is on a stick in like delicious, Southeast Asia. Delicious, delicious bugs. Um, but like, what about? How do we approach that fear? Because I know, I know. I grew up in a landlocked town where there's very little seafood. We didn't eat a lot of it growing up. And I had that fear when I was younger. Fortunately, I went to school in Rhode Island and it opened my eyes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I had that. I I went to a seafood restaurant and I was afraid to eat anything because I'm like, oh, this is going to make me sick or I'm not going to like this because I don't have a lot of it. How do we approach that and kind of help people through that to open up this world to them? You, I mean, have you faced that in your? Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh yes. Because you, I feel like you can make it as simple as possible. I mean, last time we were here, you cooked a couple recipes for us, and you did tilapia in the toaster, toaster oven. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was delicious, and it was super easy. I mean, it was, I think it was done in like seven minutes, mm-hmm. and mussels and,
2: wasn't that far. Yeah. behind that was very super easy. quick. Very you tasty. can make it
0: as easy as possible, but if they're afraid to eat it, then you know, yeah. then then that's where everything comes to a screeching yeah. halt. So,
3: well, it's Im- it's important to acknowledge the experiences excuse me, or the lack of experiences that people are coming to the table with as regards seafood. The bottom line is uh, most everybody has had a bad seafood meal. That's reality. And a bad seafood meal is, is exactly that. It's, 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 it ain't good. <laughs> you know, it, it is a turnoff. That said, seafood to me, and I like to say this, it's the only food that's considered guilty before proven innocent.
0: Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah.
3: I've never once walked up to the meat case and been like, hmm, is that pork fresh? Does it have Fukushima radiation? Is it sustainable? <laughs> um, Methyl mercury in the pork? You know,
0: something to think about, I guess. Like, now,
3: Like, <laughs> n- <you> know, <laughs> no, I, in, people don't. We don't interact with any other food the way that we interact with seafood, that we, we just approach it with this trepidation. Even those of us who are, are, are quite familiar with it, you know, sustainability kind of acted as, as yet another barrier to true confidence. Right. Because it was yet one more box that had to be checked off before we even agreed to think about purchasing it. Whoa. I mean, geez, the amount of work we have to do as an industry just to get people to neutral is yeah. incredible.
0: And, and not so, even talking about farmed farmed and wild and all that. Yeah. That yeah. And, and, well, I'm and then sure we'll get into that And then point. you begin
3: to parse out further details and, whoa, man, you know, I, I'll just have the chicken. Thanks. Right. Is the response. So, you know, how do you deal with that trepidation? First and foremost is, again, to acknowledge that people likely have had a bad experience and to acknowledge that, yes, there is bad seafood out there. But if you, you know, if people have a bad seafood meal, they're done. I'm, I'm turned off. You know, it, it's you. like that night you drank too much tequila in college and you mm-hmm. forswear it for the rest of your life.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you told me to try it. I tried it. Did not like it. It's out.
0: Yeah, that was spiced rum for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was so, going back to seafood, but oh, <laughs> oh, mine was gin. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but, you know, if you if you go to a restaurant and you get a, an overcooked steak, Uh, Okay, you're not happy. You acknowledge,
0: okay, this wasn't cooked right. And tomorrow, you as opposed to this is not a good food.
3: And tomorrow, you order a burger, right? Like, okay, you're still in the category. Mm -hmm. There's just a a leeway that's not allowed for seafood, and and so, but this comes down to me really to just practical skill sets. Really, just hey, how do you how do you buy good seafood? And and fortunately, so many retailers are getting so much better at it. Seafood used to just be that thing that was in the corner. They're figuring
0: out the buzzwords and
3: the buzzwords, but they're also figuring out how to really deliver on quality. So I think there, there's a number of different uh, trajectories that are beginning to align, but you know, first and foremost, I think going back to one of my earlier points is that we just need people eating more seafood. We need them to decide to walk into the store saying seafood is what's for dinner. Okay. And then let's find the best in class, you know, and, 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 there's a lot of impediments to that. Uh, and some of it is just quite honestly in the very way that Americans often shop, which is they get in their giant car and they drive to the grocery store in the suburbs or wherever they are and they buy a week's
0: worth of groceries. Yeah. That's what and, I do. It's <laughs> exactly what I do.
3: And, but seafood is kind of operating on its own time frame. Right. Like you don't buy seafood on Sunday afternoon to serve on Friday night. That's why we get frozen
0: <laughs> a lot of the time.
3: Well, to me, that's one of the the, the major solutions and, and one of the things that I am a huge proponent of. And so to those shoppers, those weekly shoppers, you're automatically limited to maybe three days worth of potential menus at home. You know, they're, they're just not right. going to serve it past Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. Yep. So instead of dealing with seven opportunities, or even thinking about what's in the lunchbox or what's for breakfast, we're really limited in seafood to maybe three meals of potential. So just there, that's a huge opportunity to begin to, to address, just to open seafood up to more p- potential.
1: I think a lot of seafood, an, an issue with seafood is that a lot of people don't feel comfortable with cooking it on their own. Like I know a lot of people that won't touch seafood in the kitchen, but they'll go out to eat and they they feel much more comfortable with ordering seafood there. So what kind of approach would you take with someone that's...
0: Toaster oven tilapia. (laughs)
1: Because I know that that's something that you're super comfortable with. So how do we talk to the people that are restaurant seafoodies, but not kitchen
3: seafoodies? Mm -hmm. Again, this is sort of influenced by a lot of... Other trends and trajectories, you know, two out of three meals in America are eaten outside of the house.
0: That's why we're all broke, Complain that we don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a big part of it. But now that we have uh, dual working parents, uh, you know, in, in a lot of households, there, there's just a lot more pressure on the time, you know, available for those uh, for that you know, unpaid, but you know, essential, you know, domestic work that should be valued far more than it is. But the bottom line is there's not a lot of, I think, opportunity, there's less and less opportunity for people to develop culinary skill sets. And that's across the board, you know, applying to to all categories of food. But to, to me, it's, it's seafood is not anything different it, it's a protein, man. Just like, uh, you know how to saute a chicken breast? Okay, you know how to saute a piece of salmon. Yes, it has the complication that it's a little more delicate, but fine, lower the heat. To me, the, the best recipe that I give people is, you know, you've been saying it, the toaster oven. Seafood doesn't need manipulation. It just needs heat. And applying heat gently to the vast majority of seafoods, from salmon to tilapia, you know, cod, flounder, haddock, I mean, you name it, everything. Yeah, you know, put it in a toaster oven at 300 degrees and relax. <laughs> Have a glass of wine. And I think if price, because
2: some people may think of certain seafoods as being very expensive and they don't want to take a gamble on spending a lot of money on, you know, a specific fillet, seafood is unique, a lot like vegetables, that there's a wide variety, not all of which are overly expensive. And there's, mild to you know there's a wide range of flavors and how to prepare it and I think that getting someone started with maybe a tilapia which isn't overly expensive super tasty I mean that's my personal opinion and many different ways coming back to the toaster oven you could make that for the family in what less than 15 minutes Mm -hmm. 15 minutes or so and it gets someone in the door trying it not being afraid and then willing to try something else that's similar and it's not like beef where you know what you're getting. And people spend a lot of money on specific type of steaks too, yeah. but it comes back to how maybe how you were raised. Sean, you said you didn't eat a lot of
0: seafood when growing up. I grew um, up in an Irish household. So it oh, yeah, was so like potatoes. Un- un- and un- unseasoned meat <laughs> and <laughs> potatoes <laughs> every night.
3: Fish on Fridays?
0: Didn't have a lot of flavor. No. No. If we had fish, it was usually fish and chips at a takeout window somewhere. Or we'd have shrimp cocktailed. Mm -hmm. Like Christmas,
2: but those might be the things that you gravitate to now that you're a father, and say, okay, well, I had this growing up, so maybe now I know what it tastes like. I know that I can do this, so this is what I'll introduce to your kids or your wife or something like that. And it's trying to get people to expand a little bit more and not be afraid. So,
3: well, if there's one thing I've learned about life, having a toddler is that uh, kids may not listen to you, but they sure will mimic you. That's true. uh, They won't do what you say, but they will do what you do. And so, I think a lot of times people start this effort at child it's like no parents need to eat seafood yeah and things will follow Mm. Uh, but also to your point it's funny because about 65 percent of the seafood we eat in the united states is just three species shrimp tuna and salmon all three of those species are pretty big on flavor Mm -hmm. i mean salmon is is one of the most flavorful tuna certainly has (laughs) i mean a lot of character and a lot of presence Uh, shrimp can you know i mean in america shrimp tastes like cocktail sauce uh, <laughs> but yeah. on their own, I mean, a good quality shrimp really is a divine culinary ingredient. Mm-hmm. So when people tell me like, Oh, I don't like fishy fish. The first thing I say is don't use that word. Uh, fishy, <laughs> fishy is the dude in the trench coat hanging out on the corner, looking at you, a- you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like under, you know, those like neighborhood watch signs like that's fishy to me. And like, no, it's full flavored, uh, robust, um, charismatic. That's a great way to describe bluefish or mackerel. Mm-hmm. We're not actually innately opposed to well flavored seafood. That's just a, a misnomer. I mean, that's just a bias that we have mm-hmm. that it's it's salmon or, you know, fish that tastes like nothing. Right. It's like, well, salmon tastes like a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I'm, so uh, to me, there's, um, again, sort of meeting people where they are. It's like, Hey, do you really like salmon? Great. You'll like mackerel. It's a little more mild than salmon. It has a nice, beautiful texture, a slight snappy bite to it right under the skin, a beautiful soft bloodline tissue that really adds this perfumed richness to the whole thing. It's thin. It cooks in like four minutes. Oh man. Oh, by the way, it's like $3 a pound right now. <laughs> what did I say that was unattractive?
0: Bloodline. Yeah, I guess you had. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you lost me at, at Bloodline. Yeah, like I, rescind, I rescind the Bloodline. <laughs> everything, everything else stands. <laughs> no, you're totally right. You're totally right. You know, I I went to a conference. I have a lot of trouble with these conversations with people. I went to a conference a couple months ago uh, in Orlando, and I was talking about this podcast because it was actually a podcast conference, and I was saying what I do and what we talk about and stuff. And of There's course, a conference
3: for everything. There really there truly is. It is really is. Truly.
0: Fun. And so, you know, obviously someone comes up to you and, oh, I love seafood. That's great. And what you're doing, uh, but not tilapia. I'm like, "Uh, okay, here we go. (laughs) And it was, I I could have like fought with this guy. He was so passionate about it. And I would like to get your opinion or your advice on how to approach these types of, of conversations with these people who are very, very stubborn about not touching not coming within a 10-foot radius of a certain species or maybe seafood in general. Because, you know, we work at GAA. We have pockets full of facts that we can whip out and stuff. And it you you try to approach it in different ways, and, and you can't ever really seem to break through to people once they kind of have that passion against it. Did this what,
2: person say why? I mean, was it, were they referencing... He just kept saying, or...
0: he just kept saying, cause they're a bottom feeder over and over and over again. And I tried oh, to ask him why that's a bad thing because it's just <laughs> animals live in certain ways, <laughs> but he, uh, he was just disgusted by it and didn't listen to anything I said. So like what, I'm sure you've run into this over and over again. What, what's your approach to those types of conversations? Do you just kind of say oh, you have your opinion and you're welcome to it, so I'm sorry I couldn't help you? <laughs> what is I,
3: I I think it's important to acknowledge their opinion is, is based on something that they've experienced, whether it's the, the article, as you mentioned, because all tilapia is raised in toilets. Like, <laughs> well, well, no, no. Uh, you know, like yeah. there, but there was an article that clearly stated that and, and you know exposed a single farm for having that practice mm-hmm. of raising them with other animals. okay that doesn't describe the whole industry. you know again, sort of that, that idea of like seafood is guilty before proven innocent. It's like when spinach gets a salmonella outbreak or there's Listeria in peanut butter. Mm-hmm. We don't convict
0: as guilty agriculture. Right. <laughs> you
3: know, it's
1: right. Like The entire it's, it's agriculture industry. Farming.
0: <laughs> it's don't eat romaine <laughs> lettuce for the next month. <laughs> and then yeah. people forget right. about it and exactly. they go back to putting it on their bed. From yeah.
3: Calif- this specific valley in California, but the stuff from Arizona is fine. Right. Mm-hmm. I, okay. Well, Great. I mean,. That's how we respond to that. Uh, the bottom line is, I think, when dealing with those conversations, as you mentioned, it's important to say and to acknowledge: yes, there is some truth and fact and basis for what you are saying. There's enough to disagree on in our yeah, country it's right It's really now, easy like, like to get we, on the defensive. We there, don't so. need to disagree about tilapia. Uh, <laughs> like there's there's bigger battles to fight, man. My response is to say, you know, you're you're right. There is some tilapia that has been widely widely publicized and there's a lot of public information that that some tilapia is is really a poor quality product and you're you're absolutely right and i don't support that product but you know there's a producer regal springs out of thailand and mexico that's doing really incredible work and i as a chef i used to reject tilapia until i tried this product it's really compelling it's a good product you hear the authenticity and the passion in my voice around this, uh, the comeback to that, I mean, it's like you're delivering something very positive, not just Mm. arguing fact against fact. You you acknowledge the bias, acknowledge the reasons for it, and then point out where the opportunities are. And in that way, you're meeting in the middle. I love that. And you give them something actionable. Instead of just leaving saying, oh, well, this guy told me that tilapia isn't bad, and I'm supposed to believe that now. It's like, no, he told me to go try this type of tilapia available at walmart because it's the brand they sell and i should give it reconsider it there's an action right it's achievable it's realistic that is helpful
0: i did tell him that he should listen to the podcast and specifically (laughs) our species spotlight on tilapia parts one and part two maybe he did probably didn't well (laughs) if you're listening right now if we hooked him in sorry hello (laughs) sorry for the (laughs) the name shout out yeah Call the hotline, leave a message, yeah. we'll get you on the show. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I do appreciate that because, you know, this is what we do. We, our jobs are to talk about seafood and to teach people about seafood. And we're always looking for different ways to approach different types of conversations. So that's one that I, you have a conversation like that and it just kind of eats away at you, you know, because I didn't handle it the way that I should have. In hindsight, twenty
2: twenty. But that yeah. comes back to the beginning the conversation. Meet people where they are, where they're at. Don't disagree with what they're saying because acknowledge and then point them and give them an option or an action
0: step that's feasible and just like the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go back to making things simple for people mm-hmm. and what you are doing to help make seafood more approachable and getting people uh, some hands-on learning with catching seafood, even catching your own seafood or, you know, buying some new seafood, how to prepare it, how to cook it, how to know what to look for and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about the Culinary Institute?
3: Sure. So our education, uh, our efforts towards education uh, are twofold. First, there is a pathway where we are engaging with consumers uh, and there's a lot of you know, partner groups that we work with from the uh, seafood nutrition partnership to GAA, to MSC, some of the re- big retailers and their programs. And you know oftentimes there, it, it's the recipe, it's the story or the narrative that follows the, the product from producer to plate. And for that, we write books. I write articles in magazines. Uh, you know, oftentimes it's it's the recipe mm. that is the, that's really the action point. But in America, 70% plus or minus of seafood that we eat is eaten outside of the house. And chefs are already sort of held up to be the leaders of food culture in America. And so that and the fact that they serve such an outsized portion of seafood uh, makes them the influencers. And so we looked at... What are the opportunities to inject very meaningful, cohesive, comprehensive seafood education content into the traditional pathways of chef education? Uh, and there are two of those. One is apprenticeship programs, which is how I started off. I started my first day in a restaurant. I, I was in, you know, that was a dishwasher, and I worked my way up. And then, uh, but I also went to culinary school, and that's the other pathway, whether it's a high school vocational program, a community college program, or one at one of the vaunted universities like CIA, Culinary Institute of America, or Johnson and Wales. But the bottom line is seafood content is not a significant part of that curriculum. You may have two years of culinary education and you spend five to seven days on seafood.
0: Uh, Was that your experience? That was my experience.
3: And I got a very good in-depth seven days but there's a lot more to it. Right. And so how do, we, how do we offer a chef an opportunity or a cook an opportunity to say, wow, seafood is, is a particular interest or I'd like to learn more about that as an opportunity or means to advance my career. And so what we've done is we've created a, an online course. And this is through ruby.com, R-O-U-X-B-E. It's the world's leading online culinary school. Have a very well-developed pedagogy of learning, uh, learning platform and management, uh, chefs on staff to help grade live activities. I mean, it, it's, a, wow. it's a school. This is a legit school. It's not just a bunch of YouTube videos and <laughs> those are valuable and all that. But um, in this course, a, a traditional 15-hour course, and uh, we run you everything through what is seafood, to how it's produced, uh, sustainability, health. We get into identification, culinary categories of seafood so that we can begin to look at things like flaky white flesh fish, learn a skill set surrounding that, and then apply it to any one of 200 species rather than just sort of being limited to the acute cod. And then really using culinary skills to teach really about seafood as a category. So we're going to use sauté to teach you the nuances of how fish musculature is a little bit different and how the technique is, is sort of applies nuances to the seafood itself. And, and the end result is that seafood is presented in, in a very clear, concise pathway of learning that at the end of it, the aim is to create a deep confidence and competence in sourcing, preparing, talking about seafood with the hope that we're going to create an entire generation of seafood evangelists that are going to many more seafood that are going to be those influencers to drive increased consumption. And what we call this program is seafood literacy, you know, but just descriptive that like at the end of this course, you, you'll be fluent. Right.
0: And you just, <laughs> you will you're have just a gonna good understand. understanding. <laughs> yeah, That's the goal. That's, I mean, that's what we want. Is there anything else that you would like to, to get out there before we kind of wrap things up and do something fun at the end?
3: Um, so w- with seafood, there's a trepidation around cooking it because it, uh, I think a lot of cooks feel that it's a different skill set it really isn't. Uh, grilling a piece of tuna and grilling a steak are l- largely the same thing. Uh, the technique is is very straightforward. Yes, there's some nuances to seafood, but bottom line is uh, it's easy. And in fact, to me, it's the easiest of all protein, uh, animal proteins to cook. I, I think there's also, we're running up against the, the barrier that this culinary skill sets across the board, just the, the fluency and knowledge of how to run your own home kitchen and, and culinary skills. Uh, is diminishing because now we have a lot more dual working parents and in, in families, uh, a lot more meals eaten outside of the house. There's a sort of a decreasing importance placed on developing those apprenticed skills, and so I think we're we're running up against that a little bit. So what I like to do is just get be you know the, just the foolproof thing, which is take take the fear and intimidation out of it. It's slow roasting. It it applies to nearly every kind of seafood, not tuna, you know, not a large striped bass, you know, muscular fish. But everything else, and you put it in an oven at 275 degrees and then have a glass of wine. Then talk to your spouse, or your partner, or your kids about their day and relax and have fun. Maybe cook some brown rice because guess what? You got half an hour. And at 275, the amount of time it takes to go from undercooked to overcooked, it's like 15 minutes. Like You got some <laughs> leeway here. Just relax. And I mean, in our house, I, I am a professional chef who's spent two decades cooking seafood. And I slow roast seafood four to five times a week because it's that easy.
0: Love it. All right. Well, if you guys don't have anything else that you want to bring up, there is something that we like to do when we have chefs come on the show, Mm -hmm. if you're willing to take on a little short little challenge. Sure. And what we like to do is each one of us is going to pull out a random ingredient out of our brains. And we would like to see what you would do with that on the spot. If you were on like one of those cooking shows where you had to kind of come up with something really quick. Are you up for the challenge? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who wants to go first? What do you what do you got, Maddie?
1: I'll go with red onions.
0: Red
3: onions? Yes. One of my favorite, very, very favorite ingredients. Me too. I
1: love any kind of onion, but especially You're making red this
3: easy for him, man. I'm yeah.
1: sorry, I I <laughs> had to put the onions in. I love them.
3: So, uh, red onions are delicious raw, but if you are going to use them raw, I suggest uh, y- you have to wash them under cold running water. It's just five seconds. After you slice them, just get rid of a little, little bit of that sulfurness to them, uh, and then they have that sweet, soft, but yet crunchy punctuation they add to anything they touch. Uh, but charred red onions, I mean, just mm-hmm. in a dry sauté pan before you put your oil and your piece of salmon in there. Just in a dry pan, put little wedges of red onion in there, freshly sliced. You don't need to wash them. Put them in there. Let them get black and color. Woo man. They are so delicious. <laughs> and then, you know, pull them out of the pan, just chop them up, mix them with olive oil, and you got a sauce for your fish or whatever else you are cooking. There you go.
0: Uh, you can't say z- potatoes. You said potatoes
3: last
2: time. I'm not going to say potatoes. <laughs> Before we started the show, you were cleaning, a, was it a zucchini? Yes. So that's what I'm going with.
1: Hmm.
0: All right. Why do I always have to come up with the seafood? Portion.
1: Cause you're the food. you're the host. You're last the time I said fish expert. Last
0: time I said monkfish, but so I won't give you monkfish. But um, hmm. how tough do we want to make it? How about octopus? Oh, I was hoping you were going to go like unicorn or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, got, that's, my daughter would listen. to that That's a little episode. more difficult to to get sustainable I've, unicorn I've got meat. Great, so. I've got great unicorn recipes. <laughs> um, <laughs> next time.
3: So octopus, uh, it is an involved protein, I and mean, it just it takes a little more effort because the, the it's completely and wholly unique nature of it. My favorite thing to do is, is uh put it in a in a casserole dish with a whole bunch of aromatics, bay leaves, rosemary, throw in a cup or two, you know, two cups of red wine, some peppercorns, carrots, celery, onions, whatever you want. Just throw it all in a in a big casserole dish and put some tin foil on top of it, throw it in the oven for two and a half hours.
0: Would you and, put the zucchini and onions in there too?
3: Uh yes. Onions, certainly. Zucchini I would I would saute at the very last minute on the stovetop and then serve the now super tender juices released and then reduced with all the juices of those aromatics and that wine do a thick rich sauce maybe just a little bit of butter in there slice up the octopus serve it with a still crunchy but sauteed zucchini a little bit of that reduced juice over the top of it mm, yeah
0: we're making this too easy yeah that either that or really just good. chefs are just way beyond what i imagine so <laughs> that's probably we need to visit
2: like how to stump chefs.com yeah. before, before we do one of these
3: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I spend the vast majority of my day thinking about seafood. <laughs> That's so. why I,
0: I thought pulling out octopus would make it a little bit more challenging, but you were, you were right there, man. Mm. You got it down. Maybe Maddie and I just need to be more creative. Be I us. almost
1: said pickles. Maybe I should have gone with pickles. If I was a
2: chef. Just sauce. eat those on the side Carter while
1: I'm. Tartar sauce, yeah,
0: that's true. Ooh. That's or, good. You know what? Thanks for that, because that that's good for the future. We'll, yeah. we'll make sure we avoid that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no or pickles. It's a, too easy. You
3: know, an a oven-fried piece of fish on a nice potato bun, slathered with mayonnaise, a bunch of pickles, some sliced red onions, maybe a little zucchini slaw, and maybe an octopus reduction just to finish it.
0: Okay, we need. To <laughs> now this. he's just showing <laughs> off. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, Barton thanks so much for having us and hosting us at your home and you know uh, continuously working with us and being a good sport and we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, anything that we can do to help you and your mission let us know thanks so much appreciate it and uh, that's it we'll talk to you guys next time see you later thanks folks, that was our conversation with Barton Seaver. As always, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. I know we did. And uh, Aquademia listeners, if you want to take the seafood literacy course that we spoke about in this conversation, use the coupon code GAA and it'll get you 20% off the seafood literacy course. Again, that's coupon code GAA when you go to ruby.com slash seafood literacy course. And we will link to that in the show notes.
2: And I've taken some of the course already. It is amazing. It is worth it. So check it out.
1: And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at aquaculturealliance.org or find us on Twitter at pod. We love seeing what you guys have to say about the podcast. So we'd love to hear from you.
2: Yeah. Also give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at one 384
0: 3560 Thank you so much for listening. Keep eating seafood and we will talk to you next week.